Just a quick disclaimer here. This podcast will feature some coarse language. Uh, nothing too graphic or disgusting, but the F-bomb is dropped with abandon. So, without further ado, here's your very first F-bomb. Fuck! All right. We're on. We're on. <laughs> uh, welcome to the Mercenary Musician Podcast. My name's Peter Coulter, and this is... Chad Broussard. All right. Hey, Chad. Hey, Peter. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Our goal here is to help you make more money or make your first money as a performer, generally a solo performer in bars, restaurants, clubs, quickly and efficiently as you possibly can do. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the reasons we can do this is because we have both taken a role in the industry at some point. In this particular level of the industry, the shallows, if you want to call it that, (laughs) of the industry, uh, I've been a cover musician for full-time for roughly six years, and I've learned quite a lot since I started, quite a lot, and I would like to help you avoid several years of the shit I had to learn the hard way. So, and Chad. Yeah, and so my background is on the other side of the coin uh, in booking and management for bars and hotels, and uh, my side of it is going to be what we look for when we're booking and things of that nature. But I'm also a musician, just not currently a cover artist or a performing musician. So I'm also going to be taking this course with you and I will be in the trenches with you along the way. Looking basically, to that. basically I'm going to be forcing Chad to take <laughs> paying gigs, even though he's nervous about it. Exactly. <laughs> so without further ado, let's jump right into the first episode. And that is going to be our intro episode. What exactly is the mercenary musician method? Well, We can kind of break it down and break it down, but first I'm just going to give a super simple, straightforward answer here. It's a method that I've developed over my six years doing this full-time. I've been doing it, you know, part-time, half half in, half out for longer, but uh, six years full-time. It's a bunch of little tips and tricks, mindsets, uh, facts about the industry, um, ideas, even the nuts and bolts stuff like stuff to say on a microphone, how to relate to an audience. There's a lot of like public speaking stuff in here. There's a lot of business negotiation stuff that's specifically tailored, tailored to this style of uh, performance business. And I have learned a, a lot. And I just in the last couple of years have really seen the kind of hockey stick growth happen in my solo career. So I feel like I've got my finger right on the pulse of how to do this right certainly in a particular type of market. So I'm looking for a fairly specific student here. um, And I'm going to try to do a very specific thing for them, which is show them how to make money. You can make a full-time living. I'm going to say pretty easily doing this if you are the right student. So I'm looking for certain students. I'm going to show them how to make a bunch of money performing solo gigs, essentially, in bars. Well, that'll segue into the next topic, and that's basically breaking down who exactly is this for. Yes, good question, because as I mentioned, we're looking for a fairly specific student, and that person is going to be an intermediate to expert musician. Don't let that scare you away. If you consider yourself a beginner, if you're an absolute beginner, you can let this scare you away. But if you're like a beginner, feeling like you're on the edge of intermediate, stick with us. It's not... It's not as dire as it seems for you, all right? And we may even do kind of an auxiliary course 
specifically tailored at taking a beginner from that beginner phase to intermediate and get them out to get him or her or they out playing bar gigs. Um, bars, restaurants, clubs. I'm just going to sh- use shorthand bar gigs because it's just easier. Um, cover gigs might be another good kind of shorthand way to say that. Okay, so the person I'm looking for is generally intermediate to expert musician. Late beginners, don't get too discouraged by that. Stick with us. Uh, intermediate to expert singer, but again, beginner is fine. If you're a decent singer, you're going to be okay. This is We're looking for a balanced player here. So the ideal person plays guitar or piano and sings at the same time, right? Can accompany their own vocal part. That is my ideal student here. Um, intermediate expert, piano slash vocalist or guitar slash vocalist. That's what we're looking for here. And again, you don't have to be an expert at any of these things. If you're intermediate at both singing and piano or singing and guitar, you are in the money here. Um, that's what I'm looking for. Someone who's not shy. Uh, yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got a little checklist here. Someone who's not too shy to talk to a crowd. Uh, if you just feel like you're a little bit shy, and a lot of people do, the public speaking thing is is a, one of the harder aspects of this whole thing. Um, stick with us still because that's something you can work through, and you can. This can be really good for you. If you're, if you have a fear of public speaking, this can be a fairly low pressure way of getting eased into that and facing your fear and fuck it, turn around and make some money out of it. I mean, that's a win. That's one of the, one of the good qualities that humankind has among all its bad ones is you can stick with it. You can be resilient and you can get up and keep fighting for a win. And that's, you know, not to get too holy because we are just trying to make money playing. (laughs) Yeah. Not really working here. (laughs) what, what 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 we're after, but not to get too up on a pedestal, but there's some good like life lesson-y stuff here if you really feel like you could tackle this and Absolutely. play gigs live and make money and be a, be a professional musician. We could do this if you're an intermediate pianist slash singer or an intermediate guitarist slash singer. And you're not absolutely petrified, terrified, like you need therapy of public speaking, then I can get you making money at this within, I'm going to be very liberal with myself here and say within a month. I... If I wanted to go nuts, I could say within a week, if I could like be there with you, making sure things are happening. But I'm telling you, like, if you're that level of musician, you can get a paying gig like right now. You can do it. So anyway, that's who I'm looking for. Somebody who's motivated to do this, even if they're a little afraid of it or, um, you know, put off by it. Somebody who is an intermediate to expert musician, accompaniment and vocalist. So then with that being said, who are you not looking for? Uh, I think the there are a couple like kind of obvious like I can almost make fun of some crowds right now about it. The, the first person that springs to mind, and I know these people well, are the people who show up at like all the open mics and are like, oh, I can't believe people like play play covers. It's so lame. Don't play covers. Covers are lame, man. I can't believe anybody would play covers. I only play my original stuff. Those people, fuck off. Like it's just not gonna happen for you. Go elsewhere. All right. In the immortal worlds, uh, in the immortal words of my man Big L, I'm making figures while you broke cats, keeping it real. All right, go keep it real and play only original stuff, and I will be over here cashing my music checks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's first category of people it's not for. <laughs> people like I, I did mention people who are absolutely petrified of public speaking. 
That's like if you hate it, if you don't want to speak in front of people at all, if you think that you just wouldn't enjoy it, then this is not for you either. You there has to be some part of you that would like to talk to strangers. It's a uh, it's almost a lot of aspects of this job are like being a waiter. You need to be comfortable talking to strangers. Um, I was a waiter before this, and this that can actually be pretty good practice for this type of work because you can think of yourself as a waiter. You're sort of there as an auxiliary player for this restaurant or bar or club, essentially just making a, a diner or a drinker's bar experience or restaurant experience a little more fun or a little easier or a little whatever, more positive to go as general as possible. So you're kind of like part of the wait staff. Your job is to talk to people, make sure people are having you know, a good time. There's only so much making sure a good time is happening that you can do. But, you know, to, to the extent you can, you're the fun captain at a bar, right? And it's generally, it's brief conversation. It's not like you have to, you know, speak for more than five minutes at a time. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's quick conversation. Just letting them know that you're here. Yep. And uh, and that's it. It's- and, and if you're, sorry to interrupt you, Chad, but I, that's what I do. <laughs> um if you're nervous about it, we've got like canned lines and canned ideas that you can sort of spit out at people and get used to the idea of these little kind of interactions. Um, just for instance, kids will come up to you. Little little children will come up to you and say, hey, can you play a Taylor Swift song? Or I mean, even that's a little old for the little kids these days. But little kids will come up to you and ask you for stuff. And you have to be like nice to a little kid in front of a crowd if that seems weird to you or you can't like if you don't like talking to kids you don't like talking to strangers and you're just gonna look like a dick or act like a dick or scare kids then this job is not for you 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 gotta be like a friend of the crowd here a little bit there's there's a little bit of a and it's i don't mean that you have to be a cheese like me like just naturally i really am which will help you but even if you're not just being willing to think of yourself in that way where you're like i can talk to a crowd i can I can handle these people. This can be fun. Um, you can build that up in yourself a little bit if you're not naturally that way. But um, that is, that's something that if you absolutely hate the idea of that, then this is not for you. Um, I did mention, uh, here's another group of people that this is not for. Uh, and I, I try not to phrase this as if it's sounding like I'm just insulting a whole group of people who aren't interested in this. But if you're super prideful, and it kind of ties in with that first Oh, I never do covers. Uh, who does covers thing, right? If you're super just, I'm too good for this, it's going to read so clearly and it's just going to, first of all, I know you're not having fun when you're feeling that way, you know? So if you're one of those people who's going to get in there and be like, I'm too good for this, this my musicianship is just so next level and I'm so good and I'm such an original creative genius that I'm above this and playing, somebody asked me to play Jimmy Buffett in this bar is offending me. If, that, if you're that type of person, and I used to be that to an extent, and I've grown out of it. This, part of why this hockey stick growth is happening for me is because I have pushed that part of myself out into oblivion. I don't want it. I don't want to be the too good for this guy because I'm fucking not, you know? Like, I'm not. You're not. Sorry to tell you. It doesn't matter how good you are. If you're John Lennon and you haven't broken yet, you're still not too good for this, all right? This is just playing for fun, playing stuff that other people like, even if you don't like it because they like it. Fuck you, you know? Somebody likes Jimmy Buffett, fuck you. <laughs> they, they can hear it if they want. They're out of bar trying Especially to have a good time. Especially at a beach bar. Yeah, and so it's just, so if you're that type of person who's like, I, yeah, fuck you, Jimmy Buffett, man, then just, no, go fuck yourself. Honestly, I'm still that, that way a little bit about Dave Matthews. 
That's why I like to, when I'm trying to do a compromise song like that, and we can talk about taking requests, we will, specifically on a, on a different episode, but the compromise song is a kind of an important concept here where somebody comes up to you, because another, so it's Dave Matthews and Pop Country. I just fucking hate it mm-hmm. so much, but uh, it's, you have to, honestly, Pop Country has been one of the greatest lessons of my career. I, just, I have to learn it. I just have to do it. I have to do some of it. Anyway, so people will ask for like a specific pop country song. Be like, I've never heard that one, but here I'll do this Kenny Chesney song for you. American Kids is like the one Kenny Chesney song I do. I do like a B minus job of it too, because I never listened to it. You know. Anyway, um, so that's your compromise song, but you 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 gotta ask, because like they'll let you know if you say like, okay, I don't know that whatever pop country song you asked for, but I do know. Kenny Chesney, American Kids, you like that one, and you'll see them either light up or go like, eh, that's not exactly what I was looking for. And you can be like, okay, well, we'll talk later, and you just play something else, right? Yeah. Just like, that way you don't you don't have somebody like on the hook feeling, and this is this goes right along, this is like a huge part of this job is just social awareness. We'll probably have a two-part episode about just social awareness in this setting because it's such a huge thing is reading what people actually are into and what they're not into and what they're just trying to be nice to you and when they're not just trying to be nice to you and not only how to read that, but then how to handle it. That's going to be a big part of all this. So being able to ask somebody if they like the compromise song you got, then read their reaction to it and say, yes or no, I'm going to do this. Could be the difference between you making a $20 tip or not, or even just the difference between the, uh, a person in the crowd now being kind of uncomfortable with you or not. You want as many people in the room to be on your side as possible. That's just how you make the tips, baby. So basically, everything you just described mm-hmm. is what a bartender does. So for any it's of very, our very audience members that are currently in the service industry and trying to exit the service industry for a better life, potentially becoming a full-time musician, there are so many different parallels Yes. between being a bartender more so than a server because when you're the bartender, you know, just like you said with the track, if, you're, if someone comes up to you and says... I'm thirsty. I don't know what I want. Mm. It's it's up to you, man. You yeah. got to put it. So let's say if someone you're comes more of the center of attention too as a bartender sh- than a server. Sure, sure. You're more of a teammate as a as a server. You're constantly trying to please. Yep. Right. And, and you're tr- but especially as a bartender, you're trying to not do it in such an obsequious, insultingly grovelly way. You know, because bartenders, if you're if you're a good bartender, maybe maybe we're talking to such a narrow portion of our audience now that's like one guy or gal out there but if you're a bartender and you are and I was actually never a bartender but I know this about bartenders having been a drunk for <laughs> 10 for a decade until I got clean past life uh, past life I know all about bartenders let me put it that way um, the best ones aren't like oh yes sir no sir yes please you know oh, don't hurt me they're like confident and kind of sometimes they're sort of a dick even a good bartender yeah. um, I mean not like a certain a, form of arrogance yeah there's like a certain level of like and you channel that as a as a musician, absolutely. These people will smell. They'll smell fear and weakness. <laughs> you know, like yeah, just like and, any crowd. And like anything else, fake it till you make it. Even if you, even if you're not there yet, even if it's your first gig, it's going to be a little, a little bit more difficult to do it your first gig. But, mm. uh, dude, just envision that you're already there. Yeah. And lead the mind, and that body will follow. There's, and we're kind of. It's interesting. This is our first episode, and we're sort of just freestyling it here. But we're hitting a lot of the. We're, I think we're doing a decent job of kind of outlining what this is about and just kind of giving, hitting like the general points and fluttering away like a, like a bee germinating flowers. Yeah. 
slash collecting pollen. Um, Yeah, it's so we've kind of hit on some ideas here of like kind of the nuts and bolts of this, what exactly type of person we're looking for. And again, actually, if if I wanted to narrow this niche down even more, it'd be like a intermediate to expert. I mean, honestly, it'd be great if you were an expert. That's ideal. But intermediate to expert or late beginner even. Trust me, stick around. Um, Musician, you know, multi or uh, keyboardist slash singer or guitarist slash singer would be ideal. Um, I mean, shit, if you have an accordion, that could work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's other stuff you could do, too. That was Yeah, I was um, going to bring that topic up. You had mentioned specifically pianists and guitarists. So, along the lines of who this is not for, uh, drummers. Probably not for drummers. Uh, it's, it's certainly not the center of the bullseye for drummers. I'd say that drummers could get something out of this. Um, we are... They're they're just doing a slightly different game, and we may do a you know we may do a separate course or or maybe a specific like set of episodes within this for them. So if you wanna, if you're catching on to this podcast kind of late, um, we'll edit something in here possibly if we remember to, and say hey by the way we did something for drummers. It's episodes seventy seven through seventy nine or whatever are just specifically how to make money as drummers. Because I'll tell you this, I know a couple of mercenary drummers and. It's not as easy to make as much money as I do doing it because you have to be in a band pretty much. But there's a way to do that where you're just cutting all the fat and you're just trying to make this thing make money. And I know drummers who certainly supplement. I know two drummers who supplement their income by just playing three or four gigs a week, you know, and they make 100 to 200 bucks a gig, um, including tips. And, you know, if you do four of those a week, that's 400 to 800 if they're all, you know, $200 gigs. So, so a pro to that would be you don't have to really speak to the crowd. You don't have to speak to the crowd years. generally, yeah. And Usually the con you're not the front would man. be, I imagine it's a hell of a lot more difficult to find gigs. It's harder to find, it can be harder to find gigs. It depends on your area. But I mean, there are, there are cover bands all over the fucking place, and it's hard to find good drummers. It's hard to find good in the pocket. I will be quiet enough. I will not be so arrogant that my drums need to be heard over everything. I will not get too drunk. Like, there are some things that, like, it's a pretty low bar, honestly, to entry this this whole line of work. If you show up on time and you're reliable and you don't get too fucking drunk, you can still get a little drunk at this job even. What, if you just don't get too drunk. what job can you do I'm, that at? Seriously, man. Like you can drink beer and advertise that you're doing it at work if you're if you want, you know, and you are good with that. Um you just show up on time, do your fucking job, and be nice to people, and you'll make three times as much as a bartender. So I mean, like you'll you'll crush what bartenders make. Yeah. Treat them like same, a job in the same place. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's it. just it comes absolutely down to be professional. To me, it's just like such. If you're if you're a good musician slash singer, if you're an okay singer and a really good guitarist, or a really good singer and an okay guitarist, that can work so well. I know so many people. I mean, I know enough people who are okay at one of those two things and great at the other thing, or just very good at the other thing, and they fucking make a whole living doing this. It's like not. A high barrier for entry. You know why? Because they show up on time. They're nice to people. People like them. They do their job. They don't get too hammered, and that's it. And they're just professional. It's low not maintenance. hard. They're low maintenance. It's just, it's just so not that hard to make a great living doing something so easy. Easier than waiting tables. Easier than tending a bar. It's just, I can't believe more people don't do it personally. Yeah. You know, so that's why I'm here. I think that I can. Help some of you guys who think this is harder than it is get into this. Let's make you some money. You know what I mean? 
All right, so uh, in closing, let's go ahead and retouch on all the topics from today. Yes. So basically, the mercenary musician method. Yes, the mercenary musician method is a method. It's a set of ideas, concepts, uh, all the way down to nuts and bolts, what exactly to do in this exact situation type guidance business advice it's a business course for musicians who want to make uh anywhere from supplemental income to a very healthy full-time income working only three to five maybe five nights a week it's the blueprints to becoming a professional musician like tomorrow i say like tomorrow because it's almost certainly pot see i'm going way i'm going way way long again it's i say i say like tomorrow because it could you could do this tomorrow it's just like do it, you know, get involved in the course here and we can get you going very, very quickly. Okay. So, uh, the next question was, who is this for? We narrowed it down. I'm going to tell you just the absolute perfect ideal person. And then I'm going to broaden it out a little bit from there. So an expert guitarist and singer who loves talking to people, very comfortable in front of crowds, uh, knows how to dress maybe as a former bartender. Um, that's it. That'd be perfect. With a decent business head on your shoulders. Or the willingness willingness. Willingness to learn. And the willingness or the willingness to learn, learn all that stuff. So that's absolutely perfectly ideal. What will still work totally, totally fine. Dial those things down to intermediate. Dial those things down to eh, not my favorite thing, but I'm good enough at it. Any of that can work here. You can be I I know people personally who are intermediate guitarists, intermediate singers, but they like talking to people. And they got a decent business head on their shoulders and they're reliable and they make a good living. I mean, like 50 to 70 grand a year they make playing music in bars four to four to five days a week. Totally make their own schedule. I mean, it's, you know, self-employment. You don't have health insurance provided to you. You don't have benefits. You don't have a pension. you got to do all that stuff yourself, which is stuff we'll talk about later. But these people are like decent musicians and they just like talking to people in bars and they make a great living. It's not hard. It's really not. And they're doing what they want to be doing. For the most part. You know? You know, people say that to me all the time. They're like, man, you know, at least you do what you love. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure. I'm not, not going to say, cubicle. I'm not going to say you're riding off into the sunset playing, playing cover bar gigs, but. Cleaning up someone else's I mean, food. You're, yeah, well, you're certainly not cleaning the potato station for $0 an hour. Mm-hmm. That's, man, fucking being a waiter. The difference is stark between being a professional musician and being a waiter and the skills are not all that different if you can play if you can play an instrument and sing and you're a waiter you're doing the wrong thing switch it because if you with a little initiative you can make three four or five times as much money and work half less than half the time Mm -hmm. like i mean i'm just telling you if you're a waiter who's a good musician get the fuck out of there or just you know take your time getting out of there but you know plan it and move steadily toward this because this is better 100% 100% better. Who's the course not for then? Who's the course not for? Arrogant pricks is who it's not for. <laughs> Spicy language. Out of here. It's not It's not for people who think they're too cool to play covers all night. It's not for people who think they're too cool to take a request to play Jimmy Buffett if that comes their way. Um, even if you don't want to play it, you got to be able to say, I actually don't do any of that. But Honestly, you should never say that. It's just far too fucking simple mm-hmm. yeah. to not know that song and make sometimes 20 bucks in tips um so yeah it's not for 
the arrogant or prideful people who think they're too good for this. They aren't. If you, and that's part of why I say waiters would be great for this because a waiter is already like as subservient a job as it gets. I was a waiter, so I don't feel like I'm being insulting to strangers about that. You are like in the subservience position. Waiter, it's right in the name. Um, server. Uh, so that's why I say I think waiters are perfect for this because they can say yes sir, no sir, and you actually get to be a bit more of a dick as a musician. So anyway. That's one person who it's not for. Who else is it not for? A very absolute beginner musician. Probably not for this course. That's a big one. Um, I'd like to get you, if you want to do this, we're going to probably work on a, and we get enough requests for it, we're going to probably work on a, a a course that will get beginners up to our intermediate level to where we think that they're they're fit musically to get into this work. Yeah. So we, we want to try to be as hands-on and helping as many people who are motivated. The main thing is if you're motivated to do this, if, and I know there's so many like self-help guys and course sellers are always going to say this, but it's because it's fucking true. Sorry. If you're motivated to do this, you're going to be a great student. Even if you're as late as late beginner, as early as late beginner, um, late beginner on highly motivated, will work who it's not for is absolute i can't even play guitar at all yet musicians although i will say this <laughs> i've seen people basically do a glorified karaoke thing and they make a living too it might be this particular market that i'm in is super hot we could talk about that in a different episode as well but uh i've seen people just plug in a fucking karaoke thing and sing fly me to the moon with a backing track and they get paid for that and they were in demand they're in demand. I I actually played at a gig. It was very disheartening. I never went back to this venue. <laughs> I played at a gig where a crowd came in right at the end of my set. I was doing the afternoon set, and this very nice lady, but what I would call a glorified karaoke singer, was coming in after me. And these people came in, a crowd of people, you know, old people, uh, <laughs> come in. And they're like, hey, is so-and-so playing tonight? So-and-so playing? I got another half hour. I'm, like, shredding the guitar and singing my heart out. And I'm like... I don't know, honestly. I don't know who's after me, but ask the bartender. I'm sure they know. You know, these people are like, oh, is so-and-so playing? Is so-and-so playing? They're like, yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, so-and-so's coming. So so-and-so comes in the door while I'm finishing up my set, and I'm I'm very good at guitar and singing. Uh, this is, <laughs> you know, I am I hate to tell you, I'm, I'm not humble about it. I know how good I am. That's why I get to charge what I charge. And I'm good at talking to the crowd. I'm good at this whole thing. I'm very good at it, so I command a price. That's a little bit of an arrogant tangent. But there's a place for arrogance, all right? And it's it's in your pricing. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so I'm very good, and I'm fucking trying to give it to these people because they're asking for some other musician, and I'm a little bit hurt by that, you know? Sure. I'm like, I'm right here, and I'm just going to shred these people's faces off until they just realize that whoever they're clamoring for next is not that good. Yep. Anyway, so I'm, like, going for it and giving it my best thing. These people can't be bothered to give a fuck. And this person comes in, plugs her karaoke. She comes up, by the way, and she was very sweet. And she's like... Man, you were amazing. It was a so, you know, super ego stroke. You know, I was like, oh, thank you. Someone noticed. Anyway, she comes up and does this glorified karaoke thing. She's an average singer. It's not like she's like Tina Turner coming up doing a thing to a backing track. It's like an average lady singing. And these people were just like, yeah, so and so's here. Like she had this crowd following her around because she's nice. Because people liked her. Was she getting into it, though? That's oh, yeah. Thing. And that, too. You know, it's and she was getting into it. And she was passionate. Like and she was having fun. Absolutely. She was having fun with the crowd. But it was like she was getting paid not to be a good singer or, a good, or a good instrument at all. She didn't even play an instrument. Yeah. She plugged a thing in and sang through it like a karaoke machine yeah. type thing. 
She was there because she got a crowd hyped up because she made a group of people happier to be in a place than they would have been otherwise in a way that is somehow monetarily measurable by this bar. Mm. <laughs> they thought, okay, this is worth 150 bucks or whatever she was getting paid. This was not a very yeah. high-paying place. But... Uh, I mean, even still, I remember it was roughly 150 to 250 Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'm very proud, to, very proud to say that my uh, rates are well above that these days, which is... A good feeling, and 100%. I will, will help you get there as well. So, anyway, I'm really excited about this. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I am, I'm stoked to see if people get into this, and I can help some people change their lives from waiter who's annoyed with everything to musician who's slightly less annoyed with everything. You know, I I think that this has had such a hugely positive impact on my life is pushing into this and just being a little bit brave um, and knowing on some level that it was possible and just, well, maybe even not knowing, but going for it anyway, I, it has changed my life in an absolutely amazing way. And I want to help people do that. And I also want to make a lot of money off of that. So how did you originally, <laughs> I'm never going to lie about that. It's right in the title. Mercenary musician. He has his pinky finger next to his mouth. <laughs> Dr. Evil setting. Yes. We're here to sell you a course. Really? Peter, how did you originally get into music? Uh, well, I started really in middle school. I, um, you know, in middle school, they're like, they kind of take you to all the different electives and they're like, here, just try these out, which is a great thing for schools to do, I think. And you go in the band room and you sit down and the, the band instructor does something where he lets everybody try whatever instruments they want. And I was kind of a weird kid anyway. So I was like, I'm going to be in the short line, <laughs> try out the tuba. So I started the, started with the tuba and this guy was like, in hindsight, clearly trying to poach, poach the sixth grade class for tuba players because it's hard to find a kid who is willing to be the nerd who plays tuba. But you know, you get one who in the short line who tries it out. Sure. And he he played up the whole like, man, you are like really good at that. That's like you've got like a natural knack for it because he you know he shows you the basic you know buzz your lips like this. What kid does not want to hear that? Right. And he's like, okay, cool. He's like, yeah, you really got a, a talent for that. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the tuba player. And uh, so I was, and then like after the first year or so of that, um, I was talking to my dad about it, who had gone through his own thing, gone to prison, moved away to a different state. And so I was like wanting to impress my dad. And uh, he was like, oh man, tuba, that's kind of lame. You know, you're <laughs> kind of like made fun of me for it. And he was like, you know, how are you? I remember the exact kind of phrasing he used. He said, uh, how are you going to serenade your wife with a tuba or something like that? And I was like, well. Okay, I guess serenading my wife is something I someday want to do. I'm in sixth grade, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I just knew my dad didn't think it was cool. So I was like, okay, well, and I went back to school after the break. And I was like, yeah, uh, I don't want to play tuba anymore. I want to play something cool like saxophone or something. And uh, he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not part, part of how I know in hindsight he was poaching for tuba players. He's like, okay, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I need you to play tuba. Like, we we need a tuba player. We've got yeah. no one else. Yeah, exactly. There was another tuba player, but and I was, you know, he wasn't totally lying. I was pretty good at it. He wasn't you know? first chair, right? That's right. Excuse me. That's right. I was always first chair tuba. Anyway, of two. <laughs> um, so he's like, okay, look at this. Uh, this is seventh grade now. He's like, if you stick to the tuba, or maybe it was the second half of sixth grade. If you stick with the tuba, then I'll let you go into the jazz band next year, and you can play bass in the jazz band because you're reading the same kind of level of music reading the bass clef um so i'm like okay the same staff is bass clef 
Um, I'm like, man, that sounds like a deal, you know? So I kind of went back and told my dad, I was like, dad, band teacher says I can play bass if I stick with tuba. And he's like, all right, that sounds pretty cool. You know, I'm looking for fatherly approval. Yeah, here. yeah of course. So <laughs> um, anyway, start playing bass in the jazz band, started taking lessons from this guy, Jay Havlin, who's a, a local local bassist, upright bassist uh, primarily, um, which he does because he would rather do something he really likes than make a lot of money, honestly. <laughs> uh, pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty cool, yeah. Um, and he also, he was originally a guitarist. So anyway, he started giving me bass lessons and I got pretty good, uh, especially at reading, reading music. I was good at sight reading bass clef on the, on the bass and tuba. And he got me into playing professionally in, in middle school. I, I started playing professionally in eighth grade, um, playing in, uh, musical theater productions in the local dinner theater because I could read music and play bass. And that was what they needed at the time. Um, they don't do live bands too much anymore. They do a lot of pre-recorded stuff, um, at these little dinner theaters. It's, it's, you know, not to go off on too much of a tangent, but it's an expense for something that I don't think people really care that much about or appreciate in, in that crowd. Um, yeah. You know, if you're going to a dinner theater, it's like retirement community. I just think they pack the house no matter what. Yeah. So that why, why pay a band, you know, whatever, 700 bucks a night or whatever it is, um, to, you know, straight off your bottom line if you don't need it you pay you pay one guy to be the the music conductor he plays keys down there and has backing tracks and just you know does a glorified karaoke thing and if it pays the bills pays the bills yeah. anyway so that's how I got started I started playing bass in uh, the pit at a Broadway Palm Dinner Theater in Fort Myers Florida the pit the pit yeah I was, with the and pit. I loved it I had a lot of I felt really cool about that you know it was like a, I certainly had the coolest middle school part time job of any of my friends and that would have been 8th grade right I was in 8th grade when I got my first gig and then all through high school I kept doing that that's really cool yeah and then um, uh, then I went to college and kind of didn't know what I was going to do and you know I was, I was in some bands oh I had also in high school sort of a, a similar version to what I did with the tuba moving on to the bass is I asked my bass instructor, hey, man, can you teach me guitar? Basically, because I wanted to get girls, you know? And it's hard to make music all by yourself with a bass. Mm -hmm. You can do it with a guitar. You can play and sing and, you know, play melodies more easily on a guitar. And so, and he he kind of gave me like a raised eyebrow and he was like, wait, because he's a bass, you know, like yeah. a bass purist. Yeah. Like I, at, this, at this point, he had taught me upright bass. I play electric bass. I'd done both of these professionally in the, in the musical theater industry. And, uh, you know, very bottom rung of that ladder. I'm not saying I'm a Broadway player or anything, but, you know, I had, well, technically you were the uh, Broadway I mean, Palm. Not, yeah, right. The Broadway <laughs> Palm. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, kind of gave me an eyebrow and he's like, why do you want to play guitar? You're not giving a bass, right? And I was like, no, no, definitely not giving a bass. I just, uh, you know, I'm adding to, I'm adding to. Yeah. And he's like, okay, well, as long as you are not giving up bass. I'll teach you guitar. Yeah. <laughs> so he started teaching me guitar and I, I still haven't given up bass. I love it. I still consider it kind of my first language, uh, musically. Uh, anyway. Yeah. I, so, I, yeah. So I came back from college and I was planning on is my whole life story. Maybe we can edit this down. No, <laughs> I don't know if people will be interested in it. We need it. All right. <laughs> um, so yeah, came back from college and just kind of, I really wanted to travel. So I kind of did this rhythm of waiting tables we're in southwest florida here on the gulf coast fort myers is where i live um so i kind of did this cycle we have a very strong obvious tourist season it's uh like december through through april pretty much um kind of the bumper you know november and may are kind of busy too but december through april is like the height of tourist season here 
So you can do this thing where you just wait tables or bartend for four or five months, make whatever money you make, squirrel it away, and then you can kind of like live on it. A lot of people do that kind of rhythm down here. And I was basically just crashing at my mom's house, waiting tables for tourist season, and then traveling to Europe. I did that for like three, four years. And uh, got to a point where I just fucking hated waiting tables so much. And I, I kind of always, always did. Like I, I would like it. Like I said, I was in this cycle where I'd not do it for six months, and then I'd do it for six months. So um, I would like it for like the first two months back, but it would really get to a point three months in where you just start seeing the worst in people. You start seeing that like there's one table every day who's just like a person who comes out to a restaurant specifically to fuck with somebody oh, yeah. beneath they're just them. Miserable. They're just like they're just like I go to restaurants just so I can find somebody yep. who is like firmly below me on a hierarchy that I can just shit on. Yeah. And it's just like you see it one every day almost, depending on the restaurant you're in. And, you know, I I almost want to do a whole episode about what to do with people who think they can do that to a musician because they can't. Not like they can do it to a waiter, which is just so fucking satisfying to me sometimes. You can, you can just, like, tell them where the fuck to go. I mean, you can't swear at them, but you can make them seem like fucking idiots in front of a crowd of people now. <laughs> if you want, you know, it's and uh, I'll, we should do a whole episode sure, about how to absolutely. do that because it's just fucking fun as fuck to me. It's something that, that comedians do. You're there to be entertaining. And so if you're entertaining a crowd, as long as you're not like really going after somebody in, you know, in a horrible way or, or something that's like obviously you should know where the line is. It's going to get you fired from a gig. But, <laughs> you know, that's it's pretty it's way, way further down than the line for waiters is. Sure. Put it that way. It became pretty clear, and I didn't even know I was a singer at the time, really, but it became pretty clear that I could sing, uh, that I had a knack for it. And uh, this is why I think late beginners, like, for instance, people who can kind of sing and can kind of play guitar, if we can get those two put together and I can tell you how to put these two things together in a, in a pretty efficient, pretty straightforward way... Um, that, that was kind of the next big step for me was learning how to play and sing at the same time. That's something that if you can't do it yet, it's really not that hard. It just takes, you know, dedicated practice, just the same thing every day for 10 or 15 or 20 minutes and you'll, you'll have it. Um, yeah. Where uh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> well, so, oh, we, so I, yeah, I learned how to do that in high yeah. school cause I was trying to get laid. Yeah. And so, so you playing guitar college. parties, singing, singing songs. You came back, you were waiting tables and, yeah, and I had gotten good at guitar in college, too, because I got a looping pedal, which I use in my act, which I will recommend everybody use. Um, I use a looping pedal. I was using a looping pedal just to play, basically learning how to improvise by myself. And during college, I just really fell in love with a guitar during those time, during those years of my life and got really good. And so now I can shred a guitar and I can sing really well and I can, you know, do all kinds of well-rounded set of skills I've got for for musical performance now, which is marketable and you can, you can build those up too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it yeah, came back down and didn't know what I was going to do. I was going to go teach English, uh, abroad. I got to actually lined up a job in Shanghai to teach English to kindergartners in, in China. And that would have been, I would have been great at that. I love teaching. I love little kids. I just like, I love new exotic places. I, I would have loved it. I know, but I actually fell in love with somebody here and that stuck me here, and then I got into a band here, and that stuck me here, and then I broke up with that person who I'd fallen in love with, so I was still, like, stuck by, like, you know, I, I would, like, let go of one branch and be hanging on to the next branch mm -hmm. that kept me in Fort Myers. 
And uh, eventually I'm like, okay, well, the band is going to be here for at least a couple more years. Um, I really wanted to get out and get to a big city. I have for quite a while. I'm 31 now. I've been trying to get out of here for six, seven years, eight years, maybe. <laughs> but uh, anyway. It's going to happen. It's gonna, Next year. It's going to happen. Yeah, I'm moving, I'm moving soon to Atlanta. But anyway. Um, yeah, so essentially I knew I was going to be stuck in Fort Myers for a little while. So I bought a house here and, you know, figuring keep my expenses low. This is, we'll do another episode about this. I, I love that. I keep finding myself saying, Oh, we got an episode yeah. to do about that. Yeah. Um, we'll do an episode about keeping your overhead low and making your money output a wise part of this whole process. Uh, especially if you want to do this full time. Anyway, um, bought a house, been here with my house for about three years. And I, uh, actually prior to that, I was living with my mom and I was, saving up money to buy a house, obviously. So if you can lean on those types of relationships, I would do that if they're not too damaging or uncomfortable to do that with. I have a great relationship with my mom. Um, and I kind of was waiting tables still, and I was just like, I fucking hate this. You know, I was seven months in because I was just like, like now I was kind of in place a little more. And I was just like, man, I don't want to wait tables anymore. I'm a good musician. And I had like, uh, I, I had a buddy reach out to me and say, hey, my friend owns a, pizza place and they want live music and I told them about you can you do it and I was like I'm not sure even you know like I haven't done this full time like I haven't done a three four hour gig and covered it all by myself before and like I, sh- I it's just amazing if, if I could go back in time and watch like that first one at it was Mona's Pizza um, Mona Lisa Mona Lisa yeah sure. and they had me on a Stable. Tuesday night it was my it was my only gig and it was a Tuesday night and I was like why are they even paying me to do this? Like I didn't understand. And part of it was they didn't totally understand. And I was brand new. So I didn't totally understand. Now I understand what live music is fucking for and I can sell it in the right way and get a good gig rolling from the rip. And I don't worry about fucking Tuesday nights anymore. There. I don't want to go off too much on a tangent. No, continue. Here. All right. So their idea was, okay, our Tuesday nights are super fucking slow. So let's have a musician in and hopefully we can pick up that night. And that is not, Generally, I'm not going to say never, but that is not generally the strategy when you're employing live music. I'm sure you can attest to that. One hundred percent. As a booker, you want to put the musician in front of the existing crowd. You want to get the musician in front of eyeballs who are already there, regulars especially. You know, people will have this tendency to think like, "Oh no, that's when our regulars are in anyway." So who cares? The regulars are in. They're going to come no matter what. They're just, they're the regulars. If you get in front of the regulars who see you every time and see that you're good or just like you, even if you're not good, if they like you, they'll they'll talk about it. They'll say, look, there's live music at my place that I regularly go to. They'll advertise for you. Word of mouth, baby. Word of mouth. It's it's big here. It's um, free. And it's free. Yeah. And it's you know, anyway. So <laughs> if a bar ever tries, here's a little free, free little tidbit, but we'll definitely cover this in a separate episode, too. If a bar ever tries to get you to be their thing that builds a night from nothing tell them that's not how this works because that is generally just not how this works. Yeah. You don't want a bar to be codependent on you to and make their money. What they, yeah. They, they'll ask you questions like what's your draw? How many people are you going to bring? And the answer to that is I don't have one in none of your fucking business. I mean, not really, but it, <laughs> behind your face, you can say that, right? Um, that's not really your job. You're there as entertainment. And if they want somebody who's going to promote the shit out of a gig and sell tickets, they want a promoter. And if they want you to do that, 
then you're promoting your own gig and you're entertaining the crowd and you just got to get paid more for that, baby. And that's if a I, red flag. You need to take red, note of that. It's a red flag. Yeah. And we'll go into that in a later episode as well. Yes, we will. More detail. Um, okay, so where am I at with my story? So anyway, they had me on this weird night, Tuesday night, and it, they kept paying me and paying me and paying me, partly because I was a friend of a friend, word of mouth again, you know, and I just kept not looking at it too hard. And they were paying me a, a what I would, what is now below my floor rate, but it was, it's still a fair rate. It was, I'll just say it right out here and not, not tease you with it. 50 bucks an hour. Uh, that's not including travel time or anything. That's like, you're there from six to nine playing with two breaks in there. And that's 150 bucks, which is pretty fair. It's better than you're going to do. It's better than those fucking waiters were doing those nights. I'll tell you that it's like five times better. Less sometimes bullshit. Way less bullshit. And I'm making 150 bucks before any tips. Yeah. And you're not breaking your back in the process. And they gave me free beer. I was drinking at the time. Oh, and they yeah. gave and they gave me a meal. I was eating at the time. <laughs> and you got a, to take two breaks. And I got to take two breaks. Yeah, I'm sitting around for 15 minutes with my dick in my head eating pizza. Yeah. And these servers are standing, can't ever sit, you know. Yeah. And they're not making any money if no one's in there. I'm sitting in there to an empty room and I'm making 180 bucks after tips yeah. plus a free meal and beer. I mean, on Tuesday night, come the fuck on. Yeah. Why are you not doing this? Why? <laughs> anyway, so... That's where I started, and I kind of didn't know what I was doing, and I just learned through trial and error. And I, I, by the way, I got that rate fifty an hour from a couple different people who had told me that was like their their kind of floor rate as a musician is fifty an hour per guy. I've heard people all across the country say things like that: fifty an hour per guy is like the floor. So just kind of keep that as a rule of thumb. This was ten years ago that someone told me this, so it should be more really if you're adjusting for any kind of inflation. And I don't I don't work for that little anymore. Mm-hmm. Unless there is one gig that I play that uh, couldn't meet my rate and they were, this is again, a friend of a friend. So, you know, part of this, keep making friends. It's a big part of this. This is a friend of a friend and uh, they heard I was great and I am and I showed up and I blew them away and they paid my full rate that first time because it was a one-off gig and I sort of insist on it if they're not giving me recurring work. I I won't usually budge on my rate if they're just going to give me one gig. Um if it's a recurring gig, sometimes I'll work with somebody like buying in bulk, right? Um, this particular venue, they book me every single Sunday night. I'm there every Sunday night forever and ever, even through off season in September when nobody's there. And they, it's 50 below the rate that I asked for, which honestly, that the rate I asked for is now below my floor. So it just kind of tells you the direction this is going for me and, and can go for you if you do what I say. <laughs> do it <laughs> um, yeah just vaguely threatening maybe that'll work <laughs> um, we're gonna try it anyway yeah we're gonna try it all um, anyway so they pay b- below my rate and the guy said look I'm sorry the best we can do is this which I have since found is actually higher than they pay anybody else because I asked for it you know and the guy's like we can only do this but trust me the tips here are insane like outrageous and I was like alright we'll see you know again friend of a friend so I gave him a little extra benefit of the doubt and Honestly, even if he wasn't, if somebody told me something like that, I'd give them a shot. You know, I'm not sure. going to just dismiss it out of hand and say, no, you got to pay my, my rate, even though you say it's going to be worth it for me. Yeah, fuck you, you know. Compromise. I'm going to give it a shot. Well, I'm going to give it a shot. If he's right about the tips, then I'm right to take a pay cut on the base pay. I showed up. Sure enough, this place was like 250 in tips first night. And it has basically held steady. Even in the off-season, I'll make like 170, 180 sometimes in tips. Mm-hmm. On off-season, it's like absolutely nuts it's just absolutely nuts so you know i don't want to give away too much about what these play what this particular place is paying me but that more than doubles if i make 250 that more than doubles what i 
what I'm making on the night. So the tips are worth it, yeah. you know? Yeah. So now I'm just a much more sophisticated business person. I'm much, I'm a better musician. Um, I'm better at knowing what to play. I'm much better at taking requests. You absolutely need to take requests. Um, I'm much happier. Just my schedule is way better. I've got, let me, let me just, I'll just give you an example of like where this went for me. I went from waiting tables four or five days a week and playing two gigs a week, really one and a half. I had a, a bi-weekly gig and then I had a weekly gig. I went from that to doing this full time Thursday through Sunday. I have three day weekends every week. I'm thinking about making it four day weekends and just canceling out the Thursday because I'm making so much damn money Friday through Sunday. Um, and I mean, four days off and it's not really four days off. Of course, I'm doing stuff like this. I've got all kinds of shit I need to do like you do. But I just have this relaxed, amazing schedule that I created for myself. I'm making way more money than any waiter I know. Wait, I'm like making double the money of the best waiter, the, the best paid waiter I know. And I'm working half as much. It's just like, and this is a lot of this is a fairly recent development. This happened in the last two years where it really started taking off for me. Like I said, that hockey stick growth in the beginning it was slow going. Like I said, five, six years ago, I was waiting tables part time. Six years ago, I was waiting tables part time. Five years ago, I was working a lot. I was full time by that point, but I was working a lot for 700 bucks a week. I was, my rates were too low. My show was not good enough in this particular context for the crowds I was playing to. So I wasn't making a lot of tips. I wasn't enjoying it particularly that much because I was overworking myself and undercharging. And so all that put together, there came a point maybe four years ago, three years ago, where I had just been saying yes to everything. And at this low rate, and the reason my schedule got overbooked because people were eager to have me at that rate. And I was starting to fucking hate it. And I was like, what is the point of this? I may as well go be a lawyer and make more money. And, you know, what's the point of this? So I started rearranging things a little bit and listening to a lot of self-help books, frankly, and listening to a lot of productivity books on, on audio and just really taking things like my mental health, my sleep and my uh, diet seriously. And like all these little things, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to make this better. And through those efforts, I've got a lot of insight. I can help you guys go from zero to 60, go from, from zero to where I am in a year. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Process. Yeah. We're going to, I'll cut off five years of trial and error for you. And it's, I mean, just stick with us. Trust me. It's going to be fucking fun. Yeah. So I, uh, similar to your experience, my first intro into music would have been third grade elementary. Uh, I was given a recorder and I learned how to play when the saints go marching in. Mm-hmm. And from there that transitioned into joining the chorus. Uh, which I quickly realized I did not have a voice, at least at that age. Yeah. Um, I'm going to interrupt you. I know I've been talking a lot, but you can learn to sing. You don't have to be great. Yeah, 100%. That w- that's why I said then. Yeah. And we'll circle back to that. Okay. Yeah. Espe- especially nowadays with the technology that's out there. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, after that, around fifth grade, I was enrolled in piano lessons. And that's when I initially learned how to read music. Um, but I quickly realized that the piano was just not what I wanted to play, at least at that age. Uh, wish I would have stuck with it, though, but uh, I stopped. But at 14, uh, my uncle uh, convinced my parents to get me my first guitar. It was an electric PV 
uh, with an amplifier, and uh, that was that was game changing. That was a uh, that was what really sparked the passion for music. So from there, uh, I was working for a tile company uh, when I, w- I was in high school. I remember. And on the side, I was doing catering on the weekends, and I saved up and bought my first Gibson SG, uh, just like Angus Young's, when I was 16, two years after getting that PV. And I remember I I had to make a choice between either getting a guitar or getting an amplifier. Hmm. And so I got the guitar, and then I invested $50 in this little amplifier called a Smokey. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Smokey, but a Smokey is basically the size of an iPhone. And it's a distorted amplifier that you can plug right into. And it's portable. Yeah, it's great. But it doesn't provide a lot of sound. Of course not. So for the next year, I played on that Smokey at least five minutes a day. That was always my goal. Play five minutes a day. That's a great goal. That's beyond your years level of maturity there. Yeah. And uh, simultaneously working until I could get to the point where I could purchase my first Marshall half stack. Mm. And that's when my mom asked me to move out. <laughs> no coincidence. The, the walls were shaking. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I continue with um, I continue with guitar, and then basically, um, I realized uh, I was very shy and uh, and stage. I had sta- I still do. I still have stage fright. It's one of the reasons I haven't played uh, live up to this point. However, I always continue to play five minutes a day. Yeah. And when I turned twenty five, I had actually been speaking to uh, a fellow friend. And he had just, he's a musician as well, and he had just taken a year off uh, of playing with a pick to get better at finger picking. And I thought that was Mm -hmm. really, really unique. So that year I was moving to Denver, and I vowed to only play finger picking style for the next two years, which I did. Mm. Um, And then I started getting into flamenco guitar Mm -hmm. and the different styles of strumming techniques. And Mm -hmm. so basically... uh, all the while, even though I wasn't playing live, I was continuing to develop the skill set. And so if there's someone out there who's similar to me, who is terrified of playing live, but they're a guitarist or the pianist or whatever it may be, and you're continuing to build that skill set, keep doing it. All right, I'm in here with you. We're going to do this together. We're going to make it happen. Eventually, we're going to be playing live. Yeah, I, I imagine there are going to be a lot of people who are in that same boat because that is probably the scariest part about it. If you're doing this full time, whenever you're playing, it's practice. It's your job. Oh, my God. That's one of the best (laughs) feelings when you first realize when you're sitting at at home at night, like I'm trying to learn how to play piano and bring it out to gigs. And I love the piano. And when I'm sitting at home at night and I'm fucking around on the piano and I stop and I go, this is my job. It's just the best feeling. It just feels so good to not be looking up from a stack of whatever restaurant schedules or a stack of legal documents. I'm I've never been a lawyer, obviously, but. Homework, you know, to not look up from something you hate and find tedious and go, ah, this is my job. But instead to look up from something that you find inspiring and fun and go, hey, this is my job. It's yeah. just fucking dope. It's, there's like that by itself, even if I weren't making three times as much money as I've ever made in my life would be good enough, you know. And it's a testament to the fact that I did it at a pretty low, you know, I made probably I don't know, fifteen to twenty-five thousand bucks a year for some of that early, those early years, um, and just kind of crashed with my mom in the beginning, and then got bought my house and you know sublet some rooms to try to supplement, you know, trying to be scrappy and like make it all come together, keep your overhead low, and uh, I think it'd be work. strategic, not scrappy. Yeah, strategic, sure. Yeah, yeah. 
That's yeah, fine. I mean, it was definitely all part of a, a larger strategy. And I honestly, I never could have expected to make as much money as I'm making right now doing it. My tax returns for 2021 are going to be, it's going to be like, I'll bet I'm going to cry when I see how much money I owe in taxes. Yeah. I'm going to cry. It's going to be so much. Um, it's just been the most crazy, amazing year. And it's from just tweaking the last, it's, well, it's from working and, and working hard at my reputation for five years. But in addition to that, it's honestly just from tweaking a couple small things in my schedule and my pricing and my and my approach to booking. And it's just, honestly, it's like these few little tweaks you can make. If you're already, if you're a pro musician full-time right now, I'd say actually the best, the best client for us is a guy who's a full-time musician right now already who is working his butt off and is making like 25 grand a year and is just like man I'm a, I'm a full-time musician but it's fucking hard and I'm not making very much money and blah 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 that is the guy I could I could take that guy and I could change his life and triple triple his income probably in a, within a year I bet well you know I'm glad you brought that up so we can kind of kind of uh break down how long you can expect this process to really take effect yeah i mean it's hard to say it's gonna there's gonna be a lot of factors it's gonna depend mostly on you and your commitment to it i would say i'd say that's a a huge part of it another big part of it i think will be the market that you're in which is going to be something we're going to have to address because there is i mean if you want to move to fort myers i can i can do this for you in a month, <laughs> you know, move to Fort Myers and get in touch with me and give me a cut and I will get you making a ton of money working three nights a week, four nights a week, like right now. Um, so I know this area, I know this, I've got a lot of contacts here. I've got, um, a lot of experience here. I know what the crowds are like here. Um, it's the music scene. I would say overall kind of fucking blows in Fort Myers, Florida, but I would say for this particular type of music career it's excellent um i i can't imagine a place that's very much better than this for what i'm doing so uh, and i'm sure there are other places that mirror it all over the world certainly all over florida i mean all these little coastal towns sarasota st pete even tampa all those places have live music Clearwater. uh, i mean and that's just the west coast and that's the west coast of florida and i know they do it on the east coast and i I'm less sure about inland places like Gainesville and college towns are a little different because, um, but I, uh, frankly, I don't quite know about that. I intend to do a ton of research for you guys. And as we start, and I, I, I this kind of segues me nicely into this point. I want to start making connections with you people yeah. out there um, and tell me where you are and tell me what the market is like where you are so we can assimilate all this knowledge about what the music markets are like in different places. Yep. And maybe I, I, I sincerely believe I'm going to get a lot of stuff that I'm going to look into and find is bullshit because this is a big, a big problem. A lot of people around here who I know, who I know who are kind of like those, Oh, original music thing. Original music is the only thing I do. Cover artists suck. They are just making wrong assumptions about the market that they're in. They think like if they were listening to this podcast from Fort Myers and didn't know where I was, they'd call and be like, yeah, I'm in Fort Myers and it's like impossible to do work like that. They might. People might say that, and they'd be fucking wrong as shit. Um, so it, the, well, I, I fully expect to run into cases like that where someone's like, "Hey, I'm from wherever, and uh, it's impossible to get gigs around here, and you're stupid. Go fuck yourself." And they're gonna be wrong. Um, I have, 
I specifically have that feeling about big cities. Um, I do think that you'll find that in downtown areas of big cities. Sure. Yep. You're not gonna you're not gonna have an easy time finding high paying gigs because those gigs will be in high demand. Musicians Suburbs. are musicians are gonna want to play those gigs, and so there'll be there's a supply and demand issue there. There's gonna be a lot of supply and less demand. So they're going to say, you're playing for exposure or you're playing for tips. Um, you go out to suburbs, like you just mentioned, and I think you'll find the type of gigs I'm talking about. You go to a bar or a restaurant or a country club outside of the center of Chicago, and you're going to find people who want to hear classic rock and blues and classic country and jazz and reggae and hip-hop or whatever. Um, honestly, I've never seen hip-hop, but I live in southwest Florida. I've never seen paying hip hop gigs, but <laughs> I live in Southwest Florida where there's probably no market for that. But you get my point. Um, you go out to these suburbs and they're not getting serviced like the downtown folks are. They're not getting world class bands coming through their their bars all the time. They're in an hour outside of Chicago. So you go out there and you give them what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, I've played one gig in Atlanta. It paid well. It tipped well. The people were into it. It was a suburb of Atlanta. It wasn't right downtown Atlanta. But it was a suburb, and it was a good-paying gig in a giant city. So I know this can be done. That was solo? Uh, it was a. Uh, it was actually, so I happened to know a guy. This is, again, we're coming right back around. Networking. Friends, networking, yeah. friends. You need to make friends with people. Uh, he was a musician down in this area. His fiance, or I'm not sure if they're married yet, but got a great job based in Atlanta, so they kind of like had to move. And he just kind of, you know, uprooted and went with her. I, I mean, that was just the move. And... He pretty quickly met actually a booking agent with which here's another opportunity to say this will be on a separate episode working with booking agents. Um, he pretty quickly found a booking agent and this guy hooked him up with all kinds of gigs. And he's a very transparent booking agent who says, I take what I think is 50 bucks. He's like, I take 50 bucks, just flat fee for every gig I book for you. So take it or leave it. And he's like, I'll take it. I'm new here. You know, so um, anyway, it was intended to be a solo gig. And my buddy called up his booking agent and said, hey, can you get like a hundred bucks more and make it a duo gig? I got a buddy out of town. He's really good. And the guy's like, yeah, sure. Um, and he split it right in half with me like a like a good guy and, you know, made decent money, split the tips. We, I mean, we both made, you know, 300 bucks, I think, two, 250. Yeah. Nice. And like neither of us played a full gig. We had like, we each took like kind of one solo set and then we played a duo set and we were done and we stuffed our pockets pretty pretty well that's cool and played in, the, in a big city you know it's yeah. a big city big crowd um so yeah it was a lot of fun and i have the hookup with his booking agent because i made friends with a local musician um who ended up moving to a different place so um i'm gonna have a little more insight about big cities coming up here i'm planning on moving to atlanta next year so that will be a uh a good learning experience for me i'm sure absolutely well folks i believe Peter, if there's nothing else. I don't think I have anything else. Well, that's going to do it for our first episode of the Mercenary Musician Podcast. Join us weekly for new episodes, and we'll see you next time. See you next time. Thank you so much.